Hey everyone, welcome back to Here in Apologetics YouTube channel. Pumps you're joining us today. Today I'm going to talk about why I am a Christian. So, why am I a Christian? Let's look at it. So first I want to talk about the purpose and scope of this video. So the question first I want to ask is, why am I making this video? I've seen a few different people make these videos, such as like Joe Schmidt or Emerson Green. And I think they're really helpful videos because they help you see how people personally think about truth. So in this video, I want to help you understand how I personally think about truth and like, should I believe in God? Should I believe in like Christianity and things like that? I don't claim that everyone should follow my path. I think I have a good method laid out, but everyone's different. So there is one truth out there that you can know and truth is objective. Like I'm not a subjectivist or anything, but like, I hope you just uh, consider my path and just think about how I think about these things. Cause I think it's very fruitful. So the first thing I want to talk about is how I'm going to think about arguments. Obviously a lot of the reasons I think to believe in God or Christianity are going to be based off of arguments. And at least when I think about them, I think about two things. The first question is what has the simplest view? What can explain the most with the least? Um, that gets into the second question, which is, which view has the most explanatory power? So when I'm looking at worldviews and theories and trying to explain things, we want the simplest thing with the most explanatory power. And we have to figure out how to balance these out. Um, so yeah. And then obviously I put a little Bayesian formula out here. So especially with like explanatory power, we're going to look at like the probability of certain facts on theism and the probability of certain facts on atheism and try to figure out how these things weigh out. So before we get into my personal style of thinking about these things and like my favorite arguments for God, favorite arguments against God in terms of like what I think is the most powerful, I want to talk a little bit about my story because I've had a lot of people ask me to share like my story and my testimony and things like that. Um, so I have these like random photos that I found on my phone to talk about my story while I bore you with my testimony when you can look at um, these photos. So grew up in Christian home, always kind of believed in God, but never really um, was super interested in like thinking about it or things like that. Just kind of lived life, went to church, um, went to school, things like that. And then after my sophomore year of high school, someone I knew passed away in a car crash. And this really changed how I thought about things. Cause the first time in my life, I was like, did this person actually go to heaven? Like, is there a heaven? Is there a God? You know, things like that. So for about two years, I just sort of questioned and like, didn't really know where to look. So I'd have these questions and be like, huh, that's interesting. And just kind of keep on going. And then heading into my senior year of high school, I had this big senior project and I had to decide what do I want to do this project on? And I thought I've had these nagging questions about like truth and worldviews and whatnot. So it's like, well, why don't I just do it on that? So I did this project and it was more Christian apologetic focused because that was kind of like the background of the school. Um, so they wanted to focus more on that. So I started studying Christian apologetics before I did this project. I wouldn't know who like William Lane Craig or any of the apologists were like any of the atheists. Like I heard of Richard Dawkins in passing, but like, you know, I, it wasn't something that we took seriously or I took seriously. So I did this project, read some books and I really became convinced that Christianity was true. Um, so from that point, I'd say like, you know, like I gave my life to Christ and became a Christian, but I wasn't just satisfied with reading Christians. Like I wanted to talk to non-Christians as well. Um, so I talked with a Muslim and a mosque and a Jew in a synagogue, and I ended up actually interviewing Michael Shermer and for that project, which is interesting because if you look it up now, you can go and look up like Skeptic Salon, I think his podcast name is. And like on one of the episodes, Zachary Seckler, he just put this interview that I did of him on his podcast. It basically went through like the, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Like those four arguments they've given for God in that book, which is like the Kalam, fine tuning, origin of life and problems with evolution. And I walked away from that interview, very unsatisfied with Shermer's answers. And for me, that was kind of the moment where I was like, 
yeah, I really believe this is true. Like, not only do I have like faith, um, but after this interview, I was really convinced that, yeah, Christianity is true. So a little bit later, that was in October-ish. Um, in December, I interviewed Jane Warner Wallace for the same project. And he says, Zach, you should start a blog. And I had never thought of this in my mind before then. Um, but I started a blog and work with a friend and do it. And then a few months later, start a YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, that's kind of start. And I did these short little videos and I started doing interviews and then I had more short videos and I went back to doing interviews and now we're doing response videos and I get asked to do debates from time to time. And that's really the story. Like I just, with adherent apologetics, like it just came out of like this project. And now I've just been kind of molding it into something where I'm just like looking at truth and like trying to understand things. Like, I don't like, obviously like it's an apologetics channel. So I'm concerned with defending Christianity and defending the reasonableness of theism, but like, it's really about truth. Um, truth is beautiful. And that's a little bit of my story. I guess I can clarify these photos if you want. Um, so there's me standing in front of the Acropolis, uh, pretending like I'm a statue, you know, cause I like to do dumb things and travel. So there's a little bit about me. There's me sitting on a chair when I was like a kid. Um, I don't know. I like to sit on chairs, I guess. <laughs> I don't really know why that's in there. And then there's me playing football, played football in high school. That's kind of what I had my life around was football. Like I thought I was going to like play college football, be a college football coach. Um, and I thought that's the way I was going to go in life. And that was very different. And then here's a photo of me at the beach doing whatever that is with hair. Cause I don't know, just felt like putting that photo in there. Cause I like that photo for some reason, but let's get into the serious stuff. Um, why am I a Christian? Well, first, and a big thing here is theism is simpler than atheism. And I know all the atheists listening to this right now are like cringing and like, what is this guy talking about? Um, but let me explain what I mean by when I think that theism is simpler than atheism. So theism makes one foundational commitment and atheism is probably going to make more. And through this whole video, if you're consider atheism like a lack of belief, that's fine. But I'm just going to be using atheism as the claim that there is no God, just so you know. Um, so this may not necessarily apply to you, but it's just for me, syntactically, it's like the simplest way of doing this. Um, so theism is going to make this one foundational commitment, a perfect mind. Um, so I'm going to say something like the foundation is just perfection. It's perfect. Um, and this thing is conscious and things, and you know, you get like, it's mind, it's all powerful, it's all good and, and things like that. Um, whereas I think atheism is probably going to prose brute facts, like multiple of them too. So this is going to hurt your probability. So you're going to have some sort of foundation. Like, is it a quantum field? Is it like matter energy? Is it something else? Um, so that's going to be something. And then it seems like there's these other things that may not be connected. Like I, I have this very strong intuition about moral realism. The evidence for design looks pretty good. So maybe that's going to have to be a brute fact. Um, mathematics or the laws of logic, like things like this look like, um, potentially separate entities. So it looks like atheism is probably going to have to pose multiple brute facts, whereas the theist is only going to have to pose one. So it seems like to me, just like from a probabilistic perspective, like theism is going to be simpler right there. And then there's also this thing I've been thinking about recently where you can't get physical from the mental, but you, you can get the physical from the mental. I apologize, but you cannot get the mental from the physical. So this gets into my thoughts about like consciousness and stuff, which I don't want to get into too much at the moment, but we'll talk about it a little bit, but like I'm attracted to like a theistic idealist perspective. Cause it just seems like the simplest view out there. Like we have this like supposedly like physical stuff, like computers and brains and speakers, um, all these things. And we also have this like conscious experience, which is like mental, which is completely different than the physical. Like, I think the hard problem is pretty hard. Um, and you don't have to be a theist to believe that. Like there's a lot of great atheists out there that would agree that like some degree the mental is distinct um, and not just reducible to the physical. So then we get into the problem of, well, it seems like if atheism is true, 
we're going to need to get the physical and the mental to exist. Um, and you can't just get the mental from the physical. Like to me, that's like the hard problem and stuff. So you're going to have to probably pose if you're an atheist, both the physical and the mental. Whereas on the theist side of things, we can explain everything with the mental, with consciousness, with minds. We don't need this mind independent stuff. Um, so it seems like to me, there's going to be a simplicity advantage there as well for the theist. And then there's this problem I've been thinking about recently. I'm not super committed to this, but it does make a lot of sense to me of does atheism actually make predictions? Um, cause you know, like this is going to say there's a God and the atheist is going to say, no, there is no God. Well then, okay. Well, you've just made one claim. Like what else is the, what does atheism actually entail? Like, um, this is what we're going to get into like problem of evil, but the problem of evil kind of says, well, like given theism, we'd expect this, but we don't see this. So it's probably like this atheism here is better, but then I still wonder like, what does atheism actually predict? Um, consciousness, more realism, carbon suffering, something rather than nothing. And like, it seems I don't know. I really, I just really struggle to see what atheism actually predicts. I think you have to add more in, which makes it a little more challenging to understand. Um, a lot of respect for atheists, things like that. This is just kind of my own personal journey. So yeah. So let's look at some of the most powerful arguments for theism in my mind. Sorry there. Um, so these aren't in like any particular order. I'm going to show you how it all lays out a little bit later. But here's some of, in my mind, the more powerful arguments for theism. Um, so there's things like contingency, uh, a finite past. There's probabilistic cosmological arguments. I think the argument for religious experience is pretty good. Um, consciousness, moral knowledge is a big thing. And then there's also things like theism isn't going to pose arbitrary limits or brute geometry. Um, and then there's arguments from miracles, arguments from design, moral realism, kind of. Um, I'm very convinced of more realism and we'll get into this in a minute. Um, but there's questions about like, what does that favor? And then there's like this idea of like desire and purpose. So in my mind, these are some of like the best arguments for theism. Then let's get some of the more powerful arguments for atheism. So I think the problem of evil is obviously a big thing. Obviously there's lots of different like flavors of it, but I think the more powerful ones are animal suffering and then the suffering of children and like the death of the unborn. Um, so in my mind, those are probably hardest instances of the problem evil for the theist to grapple with. And there's things like divine hiddenness to a degree, religious diversity, um, the argument from history, which I kind of made this up. I don't know if anyone's, someone's probably made this argument, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently. Then there's like the moral meager fruits of theism, questions about like the coherence of God, material causality, um, troubles with like Christian doctrines, such as like the Trinity and the incarnation, and then Oppie's best argument against God. So these are some of the more powerful arguments in my mind for atheism. So now in this slide, we're going to kind of see how I see them all balancing out. So I have on the top section here, the theistic arguments that I listed two slides ago, and on the bottom section, the atheistic arguments. I listed and I just kind of listed them as like, I think these are strong arguments, they're medium arguments, or they're weak arguments. So let's start with, let's start with atheism because, you know, I'm a theist. So we got to end on the good side, you know. Um, so my stronger argument for atheism is the problem of evil. Like, especially if you think about like the nature of animal suffering, um, especially if, like the earth is 13 point, the universe 13.8 billion years old. There's a lot of animal suffering in our past um, and predation and things like this. Um What's his name? John Schneider released a good book called Animal Suffering and the Problem of Evil. He's a Christian, but he talks about like different things like cosmic micro monsters and just these horrific sufferings among animals. So it's a pretty big problem, I think, for theism. And, you know, like there's the odysseys, of course. Um, like there's like for every argument here, there's responses and counter responses and counter counter and blah, 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 all the way down ad infinitum. Um, this is just in my mind. Like so that's that's a big problem. And then there's also the suffering of like the unborn and um, like young children. So this wouldn't just be suffering, but just death. So like the theist likes to say that 
um, the unborn or those who don't reach the age of accountability, they go to heaven. Um, and that's, that's what I believe. But then I mean, this question of like, what's the point of all these evils? And like, you can't like, I'm very attracted to like a soul building kind of thing, or you say like, you can appreciate like um, the beauty of like heaven once you've experienced sufferings. But like for a lot of the unborn and what, and like young children, they don't get to experience those things. Um, so it's kind of like what's going on here. Um, so I think that's definitely a problem for the theist. And there's things like religious diversity. So like a bunch of different religions, a lot of people um, over time have not believed in like Christianity. So then there's questions there. Then there's the moral meager fruits of theism. Like a lot of times, like, you know, like if we're Christians, especially for like Christianity, like we should be like, we're following Jesus, God incarnate, God is perfect. And like, we claim to do this, but then oftentimes like Christians just end up like everyone else. And it's really depressing, honestly. Um, and you know, you can point to sin or things like that, but to me, like, that's just very disappointing. And I'm like, I think like, sometimes I'm like, why God, why are Christians so imperfect a lot of the times? Um, so that's something that bothers me from time to time. Then there's things like the coherence of God, which is funny because a lot of people would like dismiss this, but I have actually like, I don't know, for some reason, I just find the coherence of God is kind of like a challenging thing. Like, what does it mean for God to be all powerful and all knowing? Like, what does it mean for God to like even exist? Like things like that. And then there's weak arguments. So like divine hiddenness on an emotional level, like divine hiddenness. Yeah. Like it bothers me. Like, you know, like where's God right now? Um, but then I think like over time, like most people haven't believed that God is hidden. It's a very like Western um, post enlightenment idea. Like if you go to like, I've been to Zambia, they don't believe God is hidden there. And they, like living in Zambia, it didn't seem like God is hid hidden. Um, so yeah, maybe it's more of a subjective thing to me. And then there's things like material causality where things like um, material things have material causes and that can go all the way down. Um, but then it's also like we have this thing called consciousness that has to fit into this picture somewhere. So I feel like that kind of misses the whole consciousness point, um, which especially for like an idealist, like they can pretty easily defeat material causality. Um, and there's problems with like Christian theology. So what I mean by this is like things like the Trinity or the Incarnation where they like seem contradictory, um, but they're not, but they seem like it. So it's like, well, that seems a rule against Christianity having these like really hard doctrines to understand. Um, but I mean, like, I think there's explanations. So that's why it's under the weak category. Then there's history. So this is something I've been thinking about recently. So my family went to Greece this summer and we went to Greece and it was really cool, beautiful, so blessed to go. Um, highly recommend it. But like Greece is very pagan. Like, so we have all these different, they have all these different gods and like constant warfare. And like, it seems like, like I look at this story and I'm like, where does like Christianity fit into this? Like, so we have this all powerful God that's working throughout all the time, but like, where's God in ancient Greece in 500 BC when everyone's going to war against each other and they all have these shrines. And it's like, to me, that's just a little bit troubling for like understanding Christianity um, and how it fits into the picture and weighs some evidence maybe against it. But then for example, if you read like the unseen realm by Michael Heiser and talk about like spiritual beings existing all throughout the world, well, then maybe we can come to understand these things. So that's just a personal thing. And then there's the best argument against God, which Oppie talks about. So like we have this universe and the theist will see some, a story like, well, we have the universe plus God. Um, so it's an interesting argument. And I think in some formulations it could work, but then I feel like it forgets about like consciousness um, and there's different kinds of simplicity and all things like that. So that's how I see the arguments um, for atheism, like the more powerful ones and how I see them fitting. So let's talk about the strong arguments for theism. So one is causal finitism. Like it just seems like a finite past is just simpler than an infinite past. Like it just seems like that. And then there's, you know, there's like the Grim Reaper paradox and there's like Big Bang cosmology, which I don't think proves the universe is finite. But like when I look at it, I'm like, 
how can you not have a finite universe out of that? And then I wondered with like, what, like, why would we have a finite universe given atheism? Like that seems very, very unlikely to me. Um, so it seems like some evidence in favor of theism because, you know, we'd have like a necessary God that creates a universe. Whereas in atheism, I don't think you can get that. Um, religious experience is a good thing like to think about because like most people throughout all of time um, have not only believed in God, but claimed to have experienced God. It's really us Westerners um, past the Enlightenment um, that really have doubted this. So we're a very small minority of the world. And, you know, like I have my own religious experience and many Christians still do today and people of other religions. And for theism, like, I think that's fine. It's a good argument. And then there's problem of like moral knowledge with atheism. So like, I think most people, if you press them, would be more realist. Obviously there's people that are not, but like, it just seems so obvious and we act like it's true. Um, but then it's like, well, how do we get moral knowledge if atheism is true? It seems like it'd just be like an evolutionary byproduct, maybe. Like maybe we just hit the lottery. Um, because you know, like we can imagine, like I like to think about the case of ducks. Like 40% of um sexual intercourse among ducks is like forced, it's rape. Terrible. But it's like if our moral knowledge is a product, just a product of our evolutionary history, like, well, couldn't we say that it's possible in like a different world for like humans to just do that? Like, and if our knowledge is just based off evolutionary history, like then we just think rape is okay. And it's like, obviously not like there's no possible world where rape is okay or Holocaust or just, you know, another day in the park. Like these things are obviously wrong. So I wonder, like, did we just get lucky given atheism to have like the right moral knowledge? Like surely we don't want to say it's only subjective that like the Holocaust is wrong. So that's a really strong thing. And there's this like problem of consciousness or like argument from consciousness where so given atheism, like you can be like a panpsychist or something and solve it. But you're just adding something into your hypothesis. Like atheism doesn't predict that consciousness where it would exist. Whereas like under theism, God is a perfect conscious mind. So like consciousness is just built into the hypothesis of theism. Um, so I see that as a very strong evidence in favor of God. Then there's contingency. Like there's very good reason in my mind to believe there's a necessary like foundation. Um, and that seems to favor theism. And then you could say, well, um, maybe it's just like the cosmos or something. And it's like, sure. But then we're going to run into these other problems here that I think are serious problems. And then there's like nothing about like the universe that screams that it's necessary that it exists. So there's a problem there. Um, probabilistic cosmological arguments are really fun to think about. So we have about 10 to the 80th atoms in the universe, which is a lot of atoms. And like given theism, like, I mean, we can't say exactly why there'd be this many atoms, but at least we have the resources to explain it. Like God, a perfect being that can create whatever he wants. But like, what about atheism predicts that there'd be this many atoms? Like, once again, like, I don't see what atheism is predicting here. Um, maybe it's just a brute fact. Maybe you had the right necessary thing given atheism that had the power to produce this. But like, nothing in atheism predicts that there'd be like this kind of universe. Um, so that seems like to me to be some evidence in favor of theism. There's this problem of like arbitrary limits. So let's say like, again, with these particles, let's say there's like 10 to the 80th particles. And that's your necessary thing if you're an atheist. Well, why isn't there like one more or one less? Um, why doesn't it weigh like one gram more or one gram less? Like it seems like like given atheism, we're going to hit all these arbitrary limits, which are going to add complexity um, to your hypothesis. So it seems like to me that's another big piece of evidence that favors theism over atheism because theism doesn't have to pose these arbitrary limits. We just have perfection being the foundation. No, God isn't limited by anything. Um, so that's going to favor theism. Then there's like miracles. Like I've been reading Craig Keener's work. Like lots of people believe that miracles are still happening today. And it's a very Western phenomenon, again, to say that miracles don't happen. Um, so do with that as you wish. But like to me, that's just like it gives me good credence to think theism is true. Um, obviously like nothing here proved or disproved the existence of God, but this is kind of how I think then there's design. So 
there's the cosmic fine tuning, which is good, I think. Um, so it's good evidence. It seems really powerful, but then there's, at least in my mind, there's the worry of like, well, how do we know what kinds of life could exist? Like, couldn't there be other kinds of life? And there's me with my like, basically no science knowledge being like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but then there's also this like this intuitive design argument when I think about it, where it's like, given atheism, like there's a lot of different ways the universe could have gone. Like, you know, like maybe there's a universe with like one particle or like half a particle or something. Um, or maybe there's this universe with like life, like here. But then like given theism, we'd expect like if God's going to create, well, it'd be better for him to create a universe that allows life than a universe without life. Like it seems morally better to have life than no life. Um, so then we have some reason to think that design would exist given theism, but not necessarily given atheism aligned for life. So it seems like just like a good piece of evidence in favor of theism. And there's this thing about like desire and purpose. So just like intuitively to me, it just seems like there's more to life than just like, a freak accident or, you know, like the brute facts played out in our favor. Like, so I think about like the atheistic worldview where you have some sort of right necessary state or eternal universe, or whatever. And then life shows up and it thinks it has a purpose and like a desire and whatnot, but it actually doesn't. Whereas in theism, like knowing God, glorifying God, becoming like God, like that's a purpose that makes sense to me. Um, Jordan Peterson talks about the great miracle of like, why on earth do we get out of bed in the morning? especially like if atheism is true, like, just think about like, why did you get out of bed this morning? Like, especially um, the atheists out there, like we wake up thinking we have some purpose, but like given atheism, like I don't see a purpose there. Um, we can talk about like, yeah, it's sure we we're here for, and it was, it's this amazing, beautiful thing. But like, then you also got this like Nietzschean, like very like, Oh shoot, this is going to be pretty bad. Um, and like, we're going to all return to stardust and whatnot. So like, just getting out of bed in the morning, like, seems to me to favor theism over atheism, because it seems like we'd have this, like, like, we we intuitively, like, believe there's purpose to life. But that's not necessarily given, um, given atheism. So then there's the thing of geometry. So this is an interesting argument, and is God the best explanation of things? Um, and I don't remember exactly what Josh is talking about, but I think about it, and it's like, like, given atheism, there's probably going to be some brute geometry. <laughs> so, like, if the foundation is, say, like, a cube, like, these cubic particles, or, like, particles of a certain shape it's like why are they this shape rather than a different shape couldn't they have been a little more or a little less um why does it have four sides versus three like and it seems like like given atheism there might need to be this brute geometry that gets built into your hypothesis um whereas theism once again can avoid that so it seems like to be evidence that favors theism over atheism and then there's this problem of well not problem but argument from moral realism where it's like yeah like i'm very convinced in moral realism and it's like well, it definitely seems to favor theism because we expect that if God exists, I don't know if we would, if atheism is true, but it's like, you know, like there's the Eupithero dilemma, butchered that pronunciation and things like that, which makes me kind of like, I don't know how this works. Um, I don't know, but I'm very convinced in more realism and things like that. So that's kind of how I see the epistemic landscape. So in my mind, there's four strong arguments for God, one strong argument for atheism. There's Sorry, I didn't write this down, so I'm counting as I'm talking right now, so I'm trying to distract you. Six medium arguments for theism, and then there's three medium arguments for atheism, and then there's two weak arguments for theism, and then we have one, two, three, four, five weak arguments for atheism. So finally here, we're almost done. Christianity just matches my experience. So the story of a broken world, sinful humans, and a God who redeems through the incarnation just makes sense. Like, I, it just makes sense to me. Like when I reflect on our world and like even myself, like we're so broken, like we get so many things wrong and we're just, we're pretty crummy a lot of the times. Like we sit here and like watch philosophy videos and stuff, but there's also like millions of people around the world, 
starving right now and we just like sit here and like you know like i'm not like because i'm guilty above everyone else but like we like we're just broken like and it just like that fits the to me the christian method of broken humans who need a savior who um comes through the incarnation like god in the flesh um like it just seems right to me because like it seems like there's this big moral gap um like i was listening to um what's his name the guy that knows everything with the moral argument i'm um, talking about those there's, there's this moral gap and like i feel like i should be better but like I can't like I can get a little better, but I need God. Um, and it just, it makes sense to me. Um, religious experience with God gives me good reason to think Christianity is true. So I had religious experiences in the past that to me seem like experiencing God and stuff. So that gives me good reason to think that, yeah, you know, it seems like this Christianity stuff is true. And then the resurrection case. So I haven't studied this a lot. So that's why it's kind of here last and just like these two words, like, when I study it, everything seems consistent with the resurrection. I just don't know if we can get all the way there. Like ancient history is very hard to understand. Like I'm part of my undergraduate studies is in history. And like the further you go back, it's just really hard to like say this happened or this didn't happen. Um, so I don't know if we can conclusively say like based off the fact she just rose from the dead, but it seems very much in line with that. So I'm hoping to do some videos and stuff in the future, studying the resurrection and the resurrection case. Um, so I'm sure my views will change in that as we progress over time. So thank you. We made it to the end. Oh my. It's been felt like long. 25 minutes. Jeez. Um, I don't know. I just thought like I'm tired after doing like 25 minutes of talking. And like Joe Schmidt makes these like three hour lecture videos. Um, it's like, dude, it's crazy. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you so much for listening. I hope this serves you. Um, remember, like, I don't think like this is the truth. Well, I do like Christianity is the truth, the way the truth uses the way the truth in life. No one comes to the father. So through him, but like my way of thinking about this is not the only way of thinking about these things. So I hope this kind of clarifies to you. Like, well, here's how Zach thinks about these things. Um, so feel free to leave me a comment. Just letting me know what you think. If you like videos like this, maybe I'll make another one. If you really enjoy this um, in a few years, um, feel free to subscribe and all that fun stuff. If you want to get in contact with me to talk about any of this, I always love to do this shoot me an email at hereandapologetics at gmail.com um, or like a Twitter message or a Facebook message. I'm not good at just like replying in comments because there's just too many comments to keep track of everything. So feel free to reach me there. I'd love to talk with you about any of this. Um, love all you guys. You're great. Um, and yeah, if you enjoy the channel, consider becoming a patron, um, all that fun stuff. I really appreciate the support as we keep on going. So yeah, I hope this video serves you and made a difference in how you think about things. So I wish you the best and God bless. See you next time.